from Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning. Focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And today we're glad to start out with Marie Leatherby, the Executive Director of the Sacramento Life Center. Marie, good day to you. Yeah, good day to you, Bob. Good to, good to hear your voice, as always. Yeah, you too. It's always a pleasure. Always. We're, uh, we're, we're going on hyperspeed from Christmas to Lent. <laughs> I know. We really are. I know. We Lent do. always sneaks up on me. It just does. And, and Easter isn't even that early this year. But I know it is later, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Here it is. I know. It it jumps around on us yeah. every year. But it's always there. We always get the forty days, but we've got to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> is is Santa watching during the forty days? <laughs> I know. Can we tell our is. can we tell our kids that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I tell my grandkids that all the time. He's still watching you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. So, uh, yeah. you got a lot going on there. We do. Here at the Life Center, we do. Um, you know, we're doing all the end-of-the-year stuff, and we're getting ready for the baby bottle program and Big Day of Giving, and we're going to do the rose sale this year. But, you know, right now, we're ha- we've prepped, and we have over 5,000 baby bottles ready to go out into the community, and, and uh, we're expecting a few more churches and schools to call to participate. So it's a lot of bottles out there. People, Everybody should be able to find at least one they can stick a check or some cash in for. So how does, how does that work? So um, we have the bottles all prepped in boxes of 50, and People can call and order, like, the number of kids at your school or, or however many you'd like to pass out at church or or your office or anything like that, and we deliver them. They're ready to go, um, and all you have to do is fill them up, and then um, at Easter or the week after Easter, give us a call. We'll come pick them up. Oh, you don't have to count the money. You don't have to worry about it. We count it and let you know, you know what you raised for us. And it's our second biggest fundraiser. Right now we have about um, 30 different schools or churches participating, and uh, we're, we're building back up after COVID. So we're still hoping for a few more to jump, jump so in. How, and uh, How many bottles are we talking about? Yeah, um, hopefully we, we want to get about six or 7,000 bottles. Wow. Yeah, a lot. So right now we're at about 5,000 um, that have been spoken for. So we've got a few more if anybody else would like to participate. Your school, it's a great, great fundraiser for us. We, we raise, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 depending on the year. But it's, it's a great Lenten thing to do to help you know, uh, low-income moms and, and families and babies in the community during Lent. It's a great way the schools love to, you know, pass them out, and it's a great uh, time to talk to them about, you know, life and moms in need. And, and um, you know, the kids really like to participate. They're very proud of bringing their bottle back full of uh, change or cash or checks you know, from, from their neighbors or aunts, uncles, grandparents. And uh, it really is, uh, we sit and count it for a couple of weeks. It's a lot of change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, it, must be, uh, it must be a thrill to have it come in. It's fun. It is. It is. We get lots of volunteers to come in and, and uh, you know, count it while they're, you know, shaking out the money and putting it together. It's fun. We have a good time. We always have a good time. So are there a lot yeah. of coins? Lots and lots of coins. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, the bank picks those up and the bank counts them for us. Oh, do they? Oh. Yeah, we just have to get them organized and out of the bottles and 
and all that, and then they they pick them up. So <laughs> it's not too difficult, but it does a lot of good. So yeah, some of the grocery yeah. stores have these machines, and I think they take like eight percent or something. Oh, I know. And and if you're lucky, you you find a bank that says, "Oh, we've got one of those machines. We'll do it for you." Yeah, yeah. Or if they don't charge us anything, yeah, that's so great. It's, it's really really good, and um, they they like to participate in it too. Everybody knows it's it's a great you know good thing for the community and for families, and all all the money goes for a great cause. And so uh, people just if they just give you a shout. Um, you can get them some bottles? Yep, that's all they have to do. Give us a call, and we'll get them delivered out to you, all ready to go. So it's, it's you know, we try to make it as uh, convenient for people as we possibly can. So it's, it's really great. And we're, so Are uh, these actual ready? baby bottles? Well, th- they are a bottle. They, they used to be actual bottles with nipples. They finally made them so they're like a hard plastic with a hole where you can stick coins in uh-huh. so yeah. you can't the moms can't keep them at home anymore and use them in place <laughs> of a bottle yeah. yeah no that's good because that happens i've seen my own grandkids i'm like wait that's a life center baby bottle why does it have milk in it <laughs> so, oh, that's funny. yeah so it's great we um I just got back from a trip. This is something people I know will want to support is our new mobile clinic that we had put on order and it took forever due to all the, uh, you know, shortages and supply chains and it'll be delivered this next week. And so I went to Phoenix just to do a walkthrough of it and I'm very excited. It's beautiful. So thanks to the community that helped us raise the money to get a new state-of-the-art mobile clinic. Uh, we should have it. The Knights of Columbus from the Claire's are supplying it with an ultrasound machine, and we're we're really really excited. We've had we haven't had one out a mobile clinic out since COVID, and we decided to retire our old one. It was pretty beat up, and um, raised the money this last you know at our gala for it, and so we're really really excited that. Uh, that's going to be out in the community, so everybody can keep their eyes open for it. So it's such a special or specialty item, um, and special. Is does this company in Phoenix make other things, or do they make these for other people for other reasons? Yeah, we well, we went and uh, visited them, and they're almost all one type. You know, medical clinics. That's what they specialize uh-huh. in. And they make about four at a time and and uh, have four different crews. But I got to see several that were finished and waiting to be picked up. And um, some are vet clinics, you know, heart mm-hmm. clinics. Down there, they had them going out to the Indian reservations, Indian clinics. They, it was really interesting, all the different ones that they build for every type of, you know, I guess medical mobile clinics are getting more and more. Uh, popular. Yeah, I think to to probably use mostly to serve underserved communities. Right. Yes. Oh. And um, that's what we, you know, hope to do too. Get into neighborhoods. Um, that. Uh, and this one's a lot more maneuverable than the Greyhound bus you had. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we can. It's a, you know, twenty-five foot, um, which is. Just a regular Ford truck in the front and um, a, like a box truck in the back is all made into a mobile clinic and it runs on, it has solar and a generator and it's electric. We plug it in at night. So it's hmm. very more uh, up to date than the big old gas generator we had on our old one that was loud. And mm-hmm. So yeah, it's going to be really nice. Very so nice. It's, an, it's an electric vehicle? Kind of hybrid. A hybrid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, I know. So we're, we're getting up there. So um, we're excited to uh, we'll let people know of uh, where it'll be. And, you know, we, we want to use it for some outreach 
as well because uh, it's it's going to be a you know really impressive thing to take take around. So we're excited. Boy, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's. Uh, where will you take it? Do we take it different places on different days? Uh, yes, that, that, that's what we did before. Um, we took it to different sites. We worked with usually different resource centers. Um, we're hoping that to, we partner with WellSpace Health. They have five uh, OB clinics in town, and right now they send women to us to get their pregnancy tests and ultrasounds and help them get on uh, you know, presumptive eligibility. But this way, we might be able to just go right there to them um, and and help because they help a lot of underserved. And we go like to the Mexican consulate. We would go a day there. Um, you know, Birth and Beyond and WIC clinics. So we try to go where women are going that might need our services, free services. And um, so we'll be looking again for might use some of the sites we had before and are always looking for new sites. Do you get calls from people saying, we think uh, we could use your mobile clinic here on a Friday? We do, mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, um, we do get people excited that we had it <clears throat> there before. Mm-hmm. We even had it up on um, El Camino and Bell near... Um, St. Philomene. St. Saint, Philomene, yeah. And Father Frank there wants it back. We helped so many people there. It's just a busy intersection. It's actually not real far from just a couple of miles from where we're located, but um, it's just right in a high area that uh, we would get lots of people walking up, lots of women walking how up. Is it, how is it uh, displayed in terms of what kind of signage is there? Yeah, so we we worked on the wrap yesterday. We have a committee, um, and we're going to keep it pretty simple, just free, you know, early pregnancy services, testing, ultrasounds, STD testing. Um, we'll keep it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I know our old one had lots of pictures of patients and all that, and uh, which was nice, but I think we've decided on this one we're just going to keep it a little cleaner, um, look more a little more streamlined, and so hopefully uh, lots of people will feel welcome to it, yeah. So we hope lots of women walk up for help, and we can always, when we get calls at the clinic or walk-ins and we're busy, uh, you know, it's like a second clinic. So we can, we have a lift program where we get people to appointments and back, and we can always, you know, lift them there or... We have ultra nurses already trained for ultrasound and things like that, so we're getting really prepared to get it back out on the road. Very good, very good. So, and and you st- you are already soliciting uh, items for your big gala in November. Yeah, November eleventh. We're always starting to plan and looking for auction items and raffle items and we you know we have a live auction and a silent auction so nothing's too big or too little um dinners and we we love uh what people bring us and lots of women have a lot of fun putting together different uh packages or baskets and things for the auction so we really appreciate we couldn't do it without lots of people's help but so somebody might have a small item that wouldn't stand alone but could well go into a basket. That's true, yeah. Yeah, people bring things and, and we'll say, oh, this will be go great with this. And, you know, even if it's kitchen items, we can put together a kitchen basket or, you know, um, wine baskets or, you know, all we, nothing's too small to, to bring in and we appreciate everything. Wine basket, gift cards, or just a small gift card. We have a, a, a tree of life where people, you know, put down money and they get to pick a card off the tree. And some are worth a lot, and some not so much. But it's kind of a gamble. So we do that at the dinner, and that's fun. And just lots of um, 
yeah, just, you know, anything people have to give is really, really appreciated. Make the night special. Maria, I think this is probably a tough question, um, but I know you're up to it. Um, yeah, with with the overturning of, of Roe v. Wade, and we're seeing a, a number of states, some some states have come close to to banning abortion. Some have yeah. have not quite. Some are still in the in the throes of trying to decide what they're doing, right. um, and and others have some have proposed a. The 15 week or the heartbeat or various, you're hearing all these different things. And then some states like California, like Oregon, like Washington, uh, like uh-huh. New York, uh, are, are really going the opposite direction and, and, and openly advertising. Right. Come, come here. Uh, I, know, I know California has certainly done that. And I, I yeah. was told that uh, uh, I'm not sure if it was Planned Parenthood, somebody was, it was going to build. something new on the Oregon border with Idaho because Idaho is banning for the most part and Oregon is wide open. Right. But the the question I have is, and and I, I heard a uh, statement the other day that, you know, abortions in Texas are down 99% or some, some such figure. um, And, and clearly if, if they've been banned it, it pretty much, you know, it, that's going to be close to an accurate figure. But what the figure we don't get is, are some of those going to New Mexico or some of those going to California or some of them? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and, and we don't know, uh, mm-hmm. we, we won't know for some time the, the because it, it's not a, it was a nationwide overturning, but it wasn't a nationwide ban. And, and, and I think a lot of people didn't really realize that it was just literally kicking it back to the states. The, the court itself did not take a position on abortion. It right. just took a position on that this was a state's rights issue, not a federal issue. Um, right. So are you, are you seeing people, and obviously you don't perform abortions, but people who are coming here— who may have a change of heart or maybe get lucky and see one of your billboards or one of your or hear you on the radio or or whatever and 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 something hits them and they say gee I I I should check this out are you seeing more of that or uh, is yeah. it too early to tell well um i know that lots of women are coming from like arizona into California, but that's mostly Southern California mm-hmm. for abortions. And Planned Parenthood is also building something big on on that border as well, um, so women can drive to them. Um, you know, when I was just in Phoenix, I went and visited a really busy pregnancy clinic that, uh, and talked to their director to see how things have changed for them since it's not legal. And um, she said, yeah, a lot of women drive will drive to other states. They said possibly, even though the Planned Parenthoods have shut down, that some doctors or small clinics might still be doing them. Uh-huh. Just, um, but she said um, they're busier in that, you know, it just puts more obstacles for women. And if there's not a Planned Parenthood to go in and kind of, you know, uh, coerce them or talk them into, you know, if you're not ready, here's a pill. I think it is saving some lives, you know? Um, well, it, it, it's, you know, logic 1A tells you that it is. Um, yes. But we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't know yet. The we don't have, we don't have all the data on it. Now, data. Who knows if we're going right. to get it either? You know, because it's, it will be right. such a, such a pat, mm-hmm. patchwork and so many anecdotal stories, but not uh, real hard numbers. But um, I can, I can imagine uh, that there will be, and, and it may be, it may be, uh, of course, here in Northern California, we're bordered by Oregon, we're bordered by Nevada. Uh, neither of which have have banned abortion right um and we're not in the extreme northern part of california believe it or not we're not very far from idaho Um, right yeah and i know we have been seeing more of 
abortion-minded women. And I don't know if it's because the economy's down, whether they're just finding us. We are seeing more, and I know we're saving more lives because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. once they come to us and get our support, um, they change, you know, 95%, 99% change their mind. So we're hoping they're just finding us through our ads. We're, you know, since we've been censored a lot by Google and the other things, we've been paying for ads. And you know how, like, if you go to look for a truck on the Internet and suddenly you're getting a bunch of truck ads. Right, right. Exactly. So, no, if so, I even think about a truck, I get truck ads. It's Yes. I think I, they planted true. a chip in our brains. Well, we've kind of figured that. So it's, you know, virtual geofencing, plus it has their, um, where you take your phone. Right, right. Geofencing. Yeah. So they're selling what you're doing to everybody. Well, we now can, if a woman's searching for abortion, our ads will pop up. Oh. Um, and just say, you know, so, you know, for like 10 days after she does that. She will get our ads, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whether she clicks on them or not, but it just says, you know, do you want somebody to talk to? Do you want, you know, do you want to think it through? You know, there's free services here. Um, we never, we, we never um, put any false advertising or anything that we wouldn't do, but just to try to get women gently to um, come think about it, come, you know, come in. So we are seeing more, more women, and uh, I think it's a good thing. So, but you, you're equipped to handle it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, we can see more women than we are. We're very prepared to take more, more people. And for for anybody <laughs> anybody listening that doesn't know about Sacramento Life Center, it is completely one hundred percent free of charge. Not yeah. you have to prove what your income is or isn't. Not any forms like that at, at all. No, no is, insurance necessary. Yeah, it's it's completely free of charge. Yes, everything, and and we do you know other things now besides just pregnancy. We do you know Pap smears and STD testing, and we're pretty much a full women's clinic except for the uh, contraception and abortion. Sure. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, women, you know, we advertise those things, and they come in, and then if you know, usually people that are having risky behavior will eventually get pregnant, and then they come back to us. So mm-hmm. um, we we get a chance to talk to them. We get a chance to um, trying to get people to you know live a more moral or healthy lifestyle, and and uh, it's always a good thing. When they come to our doors, they get a, a different message than they're getting everywhere else. What's the best way for people uh, to get in touch with you? Whether whether they want to donate something or whether they, they know somebody in need or they themselves are in need? Yeah, they, they can, uh, our website, saclife.org, you can go on that. And if there's somebody pregnant, there's a, there's a link there to... Uh, a website with all of our pregnancy and medical clinic services, and they can um, just text from right there or make it on, you know, online appointment. We've made it real easy to do that for women. Um, if they want to donate, there's a button there to donate, and um, you can just, with your credit card, um, we have a baby closet link with items that were, you know, we constantly update with the items we're short of in the baby closet and thank god for that you know we were talking today we have that baby closet where things go out all day every day layettes to moms and we have a monthly program and somebody said i've been here a year and i've never seen that baby closet get low oh wow and i said you're right and she's like it's not the loaves and fishes it just stays no matter how much we give away every day and it's just really the community constantly 
filling it back up, people dropping things off, people, churches throwing baby showers. Um, it's, it's, I thought, gosh, that really is a miracle. <laughs> yeah. It, it doesn't, so, that people can go online and donate to that. And, um, yeah, and people are always welcome to call me and come by for a tour. I love to show the center off and talk to people about it. Um, we, you know, paid off our building after a five-year campaign, and and um, that was a good decision to buy that because now all the funds we would have been paying rent can now go back into helping more women and babies. Well, isn't that great? If you don't you don't have that. It's great. Yeah. And our scholarship program we started this year. We had a gal come in today with her graduation cap. Oh wow! She was so excited. We'd helped her with her little boy four years ago, and she she finally got her GED. But you would not, you know. And we helped her with that, and she's going to go on. And we're going to help her. She wants to go to ultrasound school. Mm. That's her dream. And um, I think there's a good one in Klamath Falls, I think. Is there? Yeah. Yeah. I I remember having, uh, I can't remember, it was some kind of a, some sort of an ultrasound. um, And I was talking to the tech and I said, so so uh where'd you go to school? And she said, Oregon Tech, uh, Klamath Falls. And and I said, and and she says, that's where we all go. She said it's one of the best schools, on, oh, uh, you know, oh. and, and for all kinds of different medical, you know, professions. They, they don't have a medical school, but they they do a lot of the training of the techs and, you know, x-ray techni- technicians, et cetera. And uh, it just has a great reputation. And it's only 300 miles up the road. Yeah, that would that would be great. I'm, you know, she's excited to try to look into that and. Because when she came to us, her baby had, she, her doctors had told her to abort the baby. I forget the medical term, but it's when the intestines and all your insides are mm-hmm. growing on the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we helped her all through that pregnancy. The baby was born. He had surgery. He's now the cutest kid you've ever seen. Wow. Full of energy. But... Um, now we've helped her go back to school, and it's just a big success story. You know, we're not just there to help with the baby, but help these women have a more abundant life. And she was, you know, just so proud to make progress and in her life, and you know, get back to school. So it's, it's all reminds me of some fun. of the, the stories that you and I hear uh, at the Bishop Gago's home. Uh, when yeah. they, when they have their annual dinner and and somebody yes. tells a similar story to one that you've just told, you know. Yeah, we have a lot of crossover with Bishop mm-hmm. Gagos, referring mm-hmm. back and forth, and and uh, see a lot of the same women, and it is so rewarding uh, to see their lives transform yeah. and just how happy they are. It's really great. Well, Marie, thank you for everything you do. Thanks for taking the time with us to uh, explain all this, and we'll look forward to our paths crossing again real soon. Okay, thank you, Bob. God bless. God bless you, too. That's Marie Leatherby, Executive Director of the uh, Sacramento Life Center. Um, um, and uh, we uh, just just thank her for, for all the all the great work that she and her, her staff, uh, both her paid staff and her volunteer staff, uh, do uh, in this uh, tough times. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. 
Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrusites. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. This is James McCormick, President and CEO of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, James, for that wonderful introduction and for all the great work uh, that the uh, uh, Choral Society and Orchestra does here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Uh, the World Day of the Sick Mass is coming up Saturday, February 4, 11 a.m. Holy Mass with Bishop Soto uh, at Our Lady of Assumption Parish, OLA, at 5057 Cottage Way in Carmichael. Uh, The celebration of the Eucharist will include sacramental anointing of the sick, the blessing of caregivers, and blessing with water from the shrine in Lourdes. It's sponsored by the Diocese of Sacramento and the Order of Malta. If you have any questions, uh, call Tony Real at 916-733-733. 0274 or contact Tony at T Real. That's T R I E H L at S C D dot org. Uh, that stands for Catholic Diocese, Sacramento Catholic Diocese, S C D dot org. And Bishop Jaime Soto will be there. And we had a chance to uh, talk recently with David Zarka from the Knights of Malta, the, the Order of Malta. And we're bringing you that interview now here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, the uh, World Day of the Sick, the annual World Day of the Sick, is coming up on Saturday, February 4th at Our Lady of Assumption Parish, OLA, in Carmichael, 11 a.m. Holy Mass. This is on a Saturday with Bishop Soto. A celebration of the Eucharist will include sacramental anointing of the sick, the blessing of caregivers, and blessing with water from the Shrine and Lourdes, sponsored by the Diocese of Sacramento and the Order of Malta, and uh, speaking of the Order of Malta, we're pleased to welcome in Dave Zarka. Dave, good day to you. Good day to you too, Bob. It's nice talking with you again. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, the Knights of Malta, man, uh, we've heard of them for. I remember sometime, somebody telling me it was the second oldest service organization in the world, and the only first service organization I can think of that was older were the Twelve Apostles. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> tell us uh, tell us first a little bit about the Knights of Malta. Be glad to. Um, the full name is known as the Sovereign Military and Hospitaller Order of St. John of Jerusalem of Rhodes and of Malta. Now, if anyone introduces themselves with that title or that, that reference, then you know they're probably a Knight of Malta. Well, that would um, be hard to fit on a business card. It is. And... Uh, it was originally founded in 1048 by Blessed Gerard as the Knights of St. John of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, by Papal Bull in, one, in 1113, Pope Paschal II had formally recognized the order as uh, not answerable to any one monarch, but was mm-hmm. rather sovereign to itself. So mm-hmm. the name Sovereign Military and Hospitaller Order, we explain it that way. And it was originally uh, the... Knights who were affiliated with it came from such areas as Spain, France, Germany, England, and Italy, and then from there on it spread. Um, when we say it's an order, 
It's a lay religious order, so mm-hmm. it's different from most uh, orders in that lay persons, rather than the clerics, make up the um, majority of the membership. Mm-hmm. Military, because it was knights, and later dames were added, but they were uh, the knights were essentially there to pr- protect pilgrims who were going to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and this was going on before the First Crusade, and then even during the Crusades. We say it's a hospitaller order because they ran a hospital in Jerusalem with services open to all, regardless of their national origin. And that charism still applies today. You need a little Latin? Yes. Uh, to go along with it? Yes. To atio fidei obsequium poperum, which means the protection of the faith and the service to the poor. And that's our our mantra or our our reason for existence. Mm-hmm. Um, the hospital in Jerusalem was considered to be ahead of its time because um, they were, uh, among other things, they would feed the poor and the people who were sick uh, on silver plates. Hmm. Now, in that wow. day and age, silver, well, they... We say we are here to serve our lords, the poor and the sick, and they meant it. Mm-hmm. So they made everyone feel welcome, and among those things, they fed them on silver plates using silver goblets and such. And as it turned out, those items are a lot, uh, you know, are, are are a lot more sanitary mm-hmm. than the usual wood plates and stuff that were used in the day. And so they found that actually this. This choice of serving the sick uh, on such silverware was actually better for them and healthier. Wow. They also had they also ran a, a very nice hospital. It became it became known. So one of the first things that was noted about the order was they were military. They were a hospitaller order, and today that charism is carried out uh, locally in chapters uh, throughout the United States and throughout 48 countries in the United States. The first uh, uh, Malta-affiliated organization was the American Association, Mm -hmm. and that was in New York in 1927, followed by the Western Association, of which I am a member, and that basically covers the uh, states west of the Rockies, including Hawaii, Mm -hmm. and that was started in the 1950s with our main office in Oakland, California. Okay. And then the uh, the federal organization, which is located in Washington, D.C., was um, uh, organized in 1974. And today, together, I mean, throughout the world, the Knights, uh, or the Order of Malta, basically has um, personal, uh, pardon me, permanent observer status at the U.N., Right. as well as diplomatic relations with 112 countries wow. including the uh, European Union. And despite all that, the only real estate that's really owned by the Order of Malta is an, is an office in Rome, and uh, they raise funds by selling stamps and by contributions of the members whose actual, actually the contributions are used for, directly for um, services wow. designated to help the poor and the sick. Amazing. Do, do you have an Olympic bobsled team? You know, Bob, if you'll be the the the, <laughs> the main pusher, I'll be happy to I'll be happy to be be the driver. How's that? I'll I'll push it. You can drive it. <laughs> I don't think yeah. you want me driving. <laughs> well, you haven't seen me drive either. <laughs> I, I watch that stuff, and I think, oh, man, you're within an inch of your life there. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It, 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 it is interesting how, you know, the, 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 you, you talk about, you know, diplomatic status and stuff, how, how that all comes about and the tradition involved in it, it et cetera, you know. And so you, you say New York in 1927 mm-hmm. uh, just happens to be when Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs, just coincidentally. You know. Obviously, I think he was probably a great ambassador for America throughout the world. Probably, probably. Was it a particular ethnic group uh, that brought it to the United States? 
when you say a particular ethnic group that brought it to the United States, the answer technically is no, but the timing of it was obviously after the Great War of mm-hmm. World War One, and many of the European um, um, houses of nobility had been shaken, and it, it was just uh, the world generally just started looking at America as mm-hmm. being kind of a on the ascent of, of being someone that uh, of a country that could possibly um, contribute uh, to just you know world stability and world uh, world help and there were as you know millions of Catholics in the in the United States sure. who would have been um, who would have been uh, fine candidates for the order and in that sense although the order was originally organized among the nobility, so to speak, the noble families of Europe, uh, there was always viewed a, what's a um, order of uh, magistral grace, which were, was, even throughout history, someone that was seen to have been, to demonstrate those kind of noble qualities, although not having a title him or herself. Mm-hmm. And so that's how Americans, most of the Americans that are in the order are orders of magistral grace. If you want a little history about the order as to why we say we're the order of St. John of Jerusalem, of Rhodes, and of Malta, Mm -hmm. it was originally because they organized in Jerusalem, but Jerusalem fell in 1291 to um, the Muslims, and at that point the Knights had moved to the island of Rhodes in Mm -hmm. Greece. That was then under attack in 1522, and then it fell. So the the order moved to Malta, and that's where they made their stand. Um, 1565 marks the year of the Great Siege, where 6,000 knights made a stand under Jean Parisot de Vallette. How do you like that French accent? Wow. And uh, they fought against 40,000 Muslim warriors under Suleiman. And in a four-month siege between May and September 1565, they actually prevailed. That was the first big loss that the Turks encountered. And from then, six years later, was the Battle of Lepanto, which was probably the largest naval battle up to that point in time. And uh, basically, it was up to the Knights of Malta and their affiliates who fought against a large armada of, of of the Turks. And had they not prevailed, um, the Muslim Turks would have taken over the Mediterranean Sea area in preparation for invading all of Western Europe. And had they done so, we'd be talking about a very different history today, a different history to um, Europe and obviously to Western, I should say Western Europe, and inferentially then to the Americas. would have been an entirely different history that we have. So we owe a lot to that that Maltese armada that that stood fast in the face of that danger. And now Malta itself is one of the smallest countries in the world. It is. It is. Uh, Yet, it's always been a key location in Mm -hmm. World War II, which Mm -hmm. is a jumping off point for the British um, in the invasion of Italy. So it's always been seen as a bastion for... Uh, protecting the kind of the poor and the weak and that that sort of thing, and defending the right against the against you know. And even though small in size, pretty densely populated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of like San right. Francisco, you know. It's like <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I'm talking about the house I grew up in. Yeah, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, do you still do the annual pilgrimage to Lourdes, where you take the lots with you? I'm glad you asked me that. Yes, the, the order uh, does so. The one year during COVID of 2020, it would, that, that was the first time that pilgrimage was suspended. I'm mm-hmm. happy to say that it, it was um, redone again in, in 2021, 2022, and we'll be doing it again in 2023. It's normally done during May mm-hmm. um, at Lourdes, which, for your listeners, is the place where Our Lady appeared to St. Bernadette in a grotto and just said, had asked Bernadette, there will be a spring of water for you to drink and to bathe in, and please do so. And at first, Bernadette looked around and was wondering what the spring she was talking about. 
and then it actually just sort of bubbled up in front of her, and which kind of amazing. I've been on the pilgrimage myself for three times. I've been fortunate enough to do that and would love to do it much more and hope to do so in the future. But each time I've gone, you'll see the um, this spring, and it it quietly but persistently sets out the same amount of water, whether the weather is is dry and hot or whether it's rainy and cold. <laughs> it looks it's always the same. It's it's really quite amazing. And every year, the Knights of Malta. Our local group in the Western Association joins with the other American associations that I've mentioned, joins the other associations throughout the world, and we enter into Lourdes accompanied by none other than the sick, and who in French are called the Malades, mm-hmm. so they're referred to as Malades, and they are accompanied by their companions. And together with the Malades and the companions, the Knights and Dames of Malta, um, take a nice span, it's over nine days, basically two days of travel, and the rest is there to for daily prayers, daily mass, um, just to see to the physical, and more importantly, the spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. Really just amazing. How, how are these people selected, the Malats? Well, they're normally proposed. Someone within the order uh, may know of someone. And you know what? Excellent question, Bob, because if anyone of your listeners out there knows of someone mm-hmm. that is is um, being challenged by a particular uh, illness, uh, maybe injury, or uh, and that, that injury can be physical, it can be emotional, and feel that they would benefit from going to Lourdes and receiving blessings that are abundant and uh, to bathe and drink the water, they should get in touch with um, someone that they, well, I would say their parish priest, maybe, and if they know someone in the Order of Malta, or ask uh, someone in the Order of Malta, and you'll be able to meet us at the um, World Day of the Sickness, um, Saturday, pardon me, the Saturday of February 4th, as you mentioned. But then propose someone. Say that you would like to go on to this pilgrimage. Ultimately, usually usually, every year, we have more applications than places we can fill, but we do try to fill as many as possible. Mm-hmm. Always with a thought. It's always a prayerful contemplation. Um, and there's vetting by various medical professionals who are, who are in the order. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's felt that if you go on the pilgrimage, you're actually being invited by Our Lady herself who mm. wants you there. Absolutely. And it just has, it's just a wonderful feeling. So I hope I've explained that well, and if I haven't, maybe you can follow up with something else, and I'll try mm. a little bit better, but no, it's, that's no, the that's, best way I know how to say it. That's, that's the way I've always had it uh, explained to me. I remember uh, uh, a number of times uh, Mike Lambert would come back with a little vial of water for me. And I I always just felt so special because of that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Bob, because for the World Day of the Sick um, and the celebration uh, that the Knights will participate in on February 4th at Our Lady of Assumption Parish, um, it's expected that there will be uh, water directly from the Grotto at Lourdes there so that at the end of Mass, you'll see the knights and dames in their uh, robes and capes with uh, uh, some Lord's water for people to bless themselves with. Mm-hmm. And we feel that that does make, it does mean something. It's a meaningful sacramental mm-hmm. that um, we just want people to know how special this event is. And if we are talking about the World Day of the Sick, we can give you a little for your listeners, a little bit of history about that and why we're participating. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the, the it's world, a, 
remind everybody, Saturday, February 4th, 11 a.m. Mass with uh, Bishop Soto at, at OLA, Our Lady of the Assumption Parish, which is at 5057 Cottage Way in Carmichael. Yes, thank you very much, Bob. Yes, the history about the World Daily Sick was in 1992, Pope John Paul II had established that day to urge people to pray for individuals who are sick and their caregivers. And so that what what St. John Paul II um, is is he wrote about how there was a redeeming value of suffering. And that is a concept that is shared by the Order of Malta. In other words, we believe that suffering is not meaningless. Through suffering, we are called to share Christ's passion. And if you're in that position of suffering, know that you should be aware, and it's, it's fundamental to be made aware, that that suffering is not useless. Mm-hmm. It's something that brings you closer to Christ, and by offering up suffering, we can actually... Help, help Christ in his redemption of the world. So the first um, World Day of the Sick was on February 11th, 1993, and that was celebrated on the feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Is mm. this sounding familiar? And why the Knights <laughs> would be yep. involved in this? Because annually since then, um, the World Day of the Sick typically is, typically is held on a weekend in February, again, to honor Our Lady of Lourdes, and in light of the original World Day of the Sick. So, as you said, wow. Bishop Soto will be on hand at, uh, at our celebration of it, and we're just going to encourage everyone to come, sick or not. And if you are facing a challenge of illness, or facing any of the challenges that I've mentioned before, or... For example, you might be preparing for a major surgery. Mm-hmm. We invite you to, to come to the World Day of the Sick because during that Mass, there will be, as you say, the anointing of the sick, which is a sacred sacrament. Sure is. To give people that grace, that strength, that gift of God to help you through these tough times. Yeah. And these. This sacrament is not only meant for the sick themselves, but also for their caregivers. Oh, very good. So once again, so that's why we do this. So I'm wondering if uh, Air France uh, waives the uh, requirement you can't have more than three ounces of a liquid if you're carrying Lourdes water. I've got a funny story about that. Really? <laughs> oh, boy. My mom, who's a dame of Malta, will probably, uh-huh. will probably shoot me for telling you this, but I, I have to mention it. On one of our return trips from Lourdes, my mom had with her, I mean, a large bottle. Uh, yeah, sure. Of, Take as much as you can get. And I, I remember t- asking her, did you put that in your, is that still, you have it in your carry-on. You should have, you know, um, put it with your luggage to get uh-huh. stored in the bottom of the plane. And she said, well, I have it. Don't let me have it. I said, I don't know about that. Sure enough, we got to the line, and the, and the woman who was, you know, making sure that everyone was following the the appropriate rules to get on a plane, saw this big bottle and said, I'm, you know, very, very politely, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you can't carry that on. Mm-hmm. My mom been protested, but it's Lord's water. <laughs> and she was told, essentially, that it was still too many ounces. So I just sort of made an announcement to most of the people who were nearby, who were, most of us, were returning, mm-hmm. knights and dames, returning to the... But there were some other people there. I go... Who would like to drink some Lourdes water right now? Because we're not about to just dump it out or pour it out or leave it at the airport. So we suddenly had a bunch of hands raised, and everyone just all passed the bottle. But it was Oh, that's a wonderful story. <laughs> it's a bottle of Lourdes water. But, um, oh, please, my sainted mother, please don't don't get angry with me for telling that story. But, oh, it, but it is. It, it happened. That's great. <laughs> I, I had a... I, uh, uh, not a, a direct family member, but a, you know a relative, and uh, but knows that I do Catholic radio, and was uh, 
in Lisbon and then went out to Fatima and, and sent me a text saying, where's the water? Where's this water? I said, you're at the wrong shrine, wrong country. <laughs> right. You should have taken a right, not a left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, it's, it, Dave, it's wonderful talking to you, and, and it's just wonderful all the, the great stuff you folks are, are doing again um, Saturday, February 4, 11 a.m. Mass, uh, Holy Mass with Bishop Soto at Our Lady of the Assumption Parish, 5057 Cottage Way in Carmichael. If you, for any questions, you can call Tony Real at 916-733-0274. Dave, uh, God's blessings to you and everybody uh, in, uh, involved with this great project. Well, Bob, thank you very much, and thank you for your charism, your helping to get the word out to all your listeners as part of Catholic Radio. We thank you very much. Very good. Thanks, thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you again soon, I hope. Take care. Yeah, take care. That's uh, uh, Dave Zarka, who is a knight of Malta. And what, what a wonderful story, about the whole, the, all the history there, and then uh, the, the wonderful story about how far back it goes and, and the history of the organization and where they've moved from and, and all the work they've done. And uh, this is uh, this World Day of the Sick, uh, founded by uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, you know, sort sort of a, so many of things in our in our Catholic faith are are very historical, and they started way way ago. Our, our faith, of course, starting with Jesus Christ. But but um, the uh, this was uh, you know this is a modern day event, which was started by John Paul II. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk to you again soon. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town. Uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento, who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, you can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of, ministry, of Mi Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, they continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support 
of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Vain tonight. May the words I 